Unscripted. Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel Fuller. I would show anything. I'd show my hee-hee and my hoo-hoo oh. and my ha-ha. <laughs> Holly O'Connor. Hey, Daddy, you want to take this to the bedroom? <laughs> and Scotty the Body. I am officially not only the grill daddy, but I'm a hot grill daddy. Oh, wow. It's the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. Only from Hot 101.5, Tampa Bay's new hip music. What's that little smirk on your face, Scott, for? I don't know. I'm just thinking of it. It's funny being on the other side of the screen. I just get to look at y'all. And half the time, I just get entertained by making faces, hoping that you see them. Half the time, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not looking at the thing. I got yeah, other. I know, but that's what makes it special when you guys windows. get a glimpse of my smile. Uh, okay. Holly and I were just saying, uh, was it the after our staff meeting yesterday? What were we doing? There was some meeting we had on video, and I was like, I love but hate Scott sometimes. I'm like, oh, he's yeah. so just full of joy and happiness and I love it and then sometimes I want to punch you in the face for it so, it just depends on my mood I think it was that what well, like we were doing like intros around or whatever oh, and, yeah. around the meeting oh! and so ah! Scott <laughs> wait wait wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to share exactly what Miguel said about it but wait. Scott do you remember what you said like when yeah, we went around and we were introducing, because there's like somebody new that's joining the team in like the promotions department or something. Yeah, so we do yeah, like this it, weekly sort of um, conference call on Microsoft uh, Teams. We do it twice a week. Twice a week on Microsoft <sighs> Teams um, oh, between boy. us and our Orlando sister station, because our boss Will is over both. And he was introducing two new people, and they said hi. And then he was like, all right, everyone go around and say your name, how long you've been working for Cox Media Group. And so we're all like, hi, Miguel. I've been here for five like, years. I just came over and stood behind Miguel. I'm like, it's Miguel and Holly. We're Miguel and Holly. Hey, we've been here. here and we then are. I think, Scott, you were the last one to go. And he I was, was the last one to go. And he was like, Scott, tell us who you are and tell us exactly what you said. I said, hey, I'm Scott. I'm the producer on the Miguel and Holly show. And, you know, it's funny because every time I go to bed and I close my eyes and I put my head on my pillow, I think, you know, how could this team get any better? And then, boom, here we are with two new faces. Welcome to the team. So, so behind the scenes, Miguel had his video on, but it was like not showing his face. It was like open to the studio. I didn't have like my face on my video. So we look at each other and both of our mics are off and Miguel goes, you know, I love and hate Scott so much. He's like, if anybody tried to come for him, I would kill them. Mm-hmm. But... Sometimes I want to kill him. <laughs> I was like, I kind of imagine that's how your dad is a little bit, where, like, you know, he's an upbeat person, but, like, you're upbeat all the time, and I feel like your dad's like, Scott, I got it! Mm-hmm. I got it! Yeah, yeah. it's funny because I've been home now more than I've ever been in the past five years, and so there's definitely been those moments where I'm like, you know, I'm uppity, I'm losing my... But I also get that personality trait from him. Like, his annoyingness and his randomness, yes. like that's me. Mm. I get that exactly from him. So it's funny when we're both on that level. But, I mean, obviously, we're in a very stressful time period. Right. And so sometimes he comes home just stressed out from work, and I'm in an up. And so I'm like, yeah, how are you? 
you know, like, how was your day? And I want more. I'm trying to dive deep. But that I do things very intentionally. Like I, you know, even yesterday when I did that, the behind the scenes and what was going on in my life is I was not feeling it. I was like, literally during that meal, I was like, screw this. And I, I felt my mood going down. And I was like, for me, I do things. So I, I stop it in the moment. And for me, going above and beyond and like acting, like not even acting, but using that exuberant energy, like that put me back in a normal state of mind. And mm. so I like to catch people off guard because I do believe that it's like you throw those, you know, randomness, that extra energy in it, you can help switch somebody else's. And also it's annoying. Yeah. But it's annoying it's in really a good way. Hard to hate right. it. Exactly. It's like it's hard to hate it because you're like, damn it, that's so annoying, that positive punk. Yeah. But it kind of made me laugh. And that's what I'm trying to do. Well, I feel like that's sort of like a hallmark of a lot of radio people is, and we all do it in our own way. Like that's yes. Scott, how you do it. Whereas like mine is always like the sexual innuendo. Like I'm the yep. person that's always, if someone says something, I'm just going to turn my mic on for just one second and be like, mm-hmm, I bet you did. And, and then I turn it off. It's like inappropriate. That's Miguel's yes. known for like sexualizing everything, which you yes. would think wouldn't fly with HR after a while, but it no. always does. No, because it's never it offensive. It's never outright like, ooh, <laughs> look at your titties, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, it's never anything. It's always like, you know, uh, you know, our boss. Oh, like our boss, Will. He's actually moving from Orlando here to St. Pete. Which is awesome. And he was like, I just wanted to move. And everyone was like, oh, are you moving for a person? And like, and I knew the answer. And so I was just like, mm-hmm, you getting that fancy new apartment downtown, aren't you? For who? Yeah, Miguel's always that person. So, yes, you're right. Scott does this, like, exuberant, like, jolly, you know, like motivational type thing. And Miguel is always sexual. I don't think I have a personality. <laughs> like, I just, I'm quiet. <laughs> no, actually, what? Uh, I, don't, I don't think, I, I don't even know what it is if I have one. Kimmy B yesterday, she said that you were very like radio sometimes until you cuss. And then you like break through that, like, I'm like, you put on that, like, Holly radio professional and then you break through. I thought she was talking about the other woman. No, she said that about you, I believe. I was talking about you. Oh. Yeah. Say that about because you. Of, I guess I wasn't really paying attention. Oh. Uh, but I guess this new woman like said shit or yeah. whatever and like everyone lost their minds. Right. I didn't hear it. Like I was half ah, listening right. but I was hearing her speak and I absolutely didn't hear her say a swear word mm. and like everyone was like going but literally like there were pings in the text about it. <laughs> like the, people lost their damn minds. So I popped on and I was like I didn't even know she swore. Mm. Like why why are we pointing this out? I don't know. Maybe I do I swear in meetings? Sometimes, no, if you feel normally. passionately, like I say, not it's not like you get on and you're like, "What the fuck is up, y'all? Hey, are we gonna play this fucking Ariana Grande song or what?" Yeah, shit. I don't even know. Titties. I, I'll have oh, wow. to look into okay. what my what my um, what's it called, like team meetings persona is, because I at this point I feel like I'm so over having two of them that I'm just like, uh, if anyone adds to the meeting to make it longer, I will I will give you the evil eye. <laughs> That's okay, though. That's one of the interesting things about, like, team meetings that, you know, no matter what industry you work in, mm -hmm. if you have moved to work from home and you have them, and everybody's talking about how everybody wants to sort of overcorrect since you're not in the same space by having a bunch of meetings, 
And with every every different business, it's a little bit different. But I definitely feel it with ours. Like, and especially they're never for me, like all spread out. Like when I have to do the corporate stuff and then when we do ours for the radio station and then there'll be something that Holly and I have to do for something else outside the station. And I'm like, I've literally been talking for four hours or I feel super bad for like our boss, Will, who like literally I'll call him at like, Usually it'll be like right before CrossFit. So I'll be driving to CrossFit. And so it'll be like around three o'clock or so. And we'll be chatting. And then he'll be like, oh, hold, I got to get off for this call in Orlando or this call for Tampa. And I'm like, when do you when are you not on a work from home call? I can't I can't imagine. And like there has always been a joke, even before the pandemic, that Cox Media Group, <laughs> CMG, is actually stands for Cox Meeting Group because yes. we have so many damn <laughs> meetings about things that probably don't need to be meetings. But like it only got worse with the pandemic because now it's like, yeah. oh, just a Zoom call away. Well, you know, I will say one of the things that I've learned in doing this corporate project is they use the term, and they're very strict about it, being respectful of your time. Like, when they say that the meeting is 15 minutes or 30 minutes, as soon as it hits, that person's like, I want to be respectful of your time, so we're just going to wrap it up here. If you want to stay on, you can, but no obligation. And usually most people just log off and they're like, all right, bye. Yeah. But I'm like, wow, we need to do that, like, in real meetings when people start coming back. Yes. Because how many times do you have, like, two-hour meetings and you're like, after 45 minutes, nothing is accomplished. Well, it's exactly, like the same yeah. thing with like kids that are doing stuff on Zoom. And like Ugh. when we had to finish, you know, school last year on, on Zoom and whatnot, there is a finite amount of attention that you get from kids for their best work. Right. After that, it could be something that they would get or learn or know, but they cannot. And that's like adults, too. Like, there's a capacity for new info and for, like, being an active participant. And it's probably about an hour and that's it. And especially with the work from home situation, because I find the fact that I can just turn off my camera because I'm a natural multitasker. Like I always want to do several things at once. And so when you tell me that I don't have to contribute to this meeting, I'm just listening Please believe I'm going to be cleaning the kitchen. I'm going to be folding some laundry. I'm going to be vacuuming. And then, or like, <laughs> it was so awful. I'm sorry. How are you vacuuming in a meeting? I've done it before. Ah, uh, okay. Like, especially if we do like it. And no, I don't want to say. Oh. Just in case Will's listening. Um, But yesterday when we were doing our meeting and I had to leave the station. Yeah. So I had my AirPods in and I was listening to the Microsoft Teams. And I was walking out the door. I saw John Brennan, uh, who's over our sister station, The Bone and The Eagle. I haven't seen him in like since March. I, I'll be honest with you. I forgot about John Brennan. Right. Like, I don't remember that he existed for a second, but hey, I like John Brennan. Right. I saw him and I was like, oh my God. Cause like he's lost weight. Oh. He's got this new haircut. And I was like, okay, John Brennan. And so like he was like, well, how you been? I'm like, I'm good. I'm on this team's meeting. He goes, oh, I understand. But let me tell you this thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, like I hear Will talking and somebody else talking. And I'm trying to like slowly walk away from John Brennan, but I'm like listening. And then I hear someone go, Miguelito. And I was like, wait, oh, fuck. I missed that. Like, I needed to say something, and I forgot what we were talking about. But I was like, and then you popped yes. in, Holly. Oh, and it was serious, too. Yeah, and I was like. <laughs> because Will was like, so, um, you yeah. know, Miguel, uh, talk us through what the audience is feeling with Breonna Taylor. Oh, is that what he said? Yes. Yeah. And, like, it was silent. 
And then I was, and he's like, Holly, I mean, you feel free to jump in. And so I was just like, Oh no. Um, you know, well, we talked it through. Um, nobody really commented oh. on it because I really didn't. I mean, right. we didn't get calls. We didn't get many interactions. I mean, I didn't look in my DMs yet, and that's what I said. Right. Scott piped in for a minute, and then I think you. I don't actually think you found your way into that. No, I don't think so because, like, I heard someone say, and I was trying to get in, and I was, tra- and then you start talking, and then. I, so then I was trying to, like, catch up without being like, hey, I'm sorry, someone yeah, caught me in the hallway. Right, and I was like, damn it. But that's the problem when you're multitasking with these work-from-home meetings because I thought, okay, well, we're in a safe space. Like, we've moved on from, like, the information phase of it or the asking questions, and I nope. was like, damn it, I got caught. Oh, no, no, so no. Th- that was my fault. Uh, it's fine. I actually had to do some voice work. So towards the end of the meeting, I was like, it was awkward because I'm in here and I had like muted the meeting and I had to turn the video off so that they couldn't see that I was doing voice work. Oh, no. So I'd like cut my lines and then I had, which is a fancy way of saying that you speak your pieces into the microphone yeah. and then you stop uh, and then I would turn the thing back on and like try to catch up as I'm like editing and then I would turn it off again and I would do another one I was, and I was like I'm not cut out I don't multitask well I don't. no no Holly you do I not. No. have never been I'm much better with one task at a time until mm-hmm. it's completed and then I move on to the next one I hate multitasking so that was difficult for me but It's really funny, like in knowing people and working with someone for so long, like I know exactly when we have something coming up on when to tell you about it and when not to tell you about it. And sort of like because in my day when I organize, you know, what we're doing on the show, I organize like what I need, what I need to do, what Scott needs to do and then what Holly needs to do from like outside of like your trending and entertainment. And then I organize when I know that you're working on it because I know if like at 6.05 after we do the um, uh, Tampa Bay train wreck, Uh if I go to you, Holly, um, at 7.20, we're going to do this and I need you to have this ready. You're going to be like, what? I'm still working on trending right now. Get the fuck off. Am I scary though? Like I don't mean to be like no, 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 not scary. I just know that like (laughs) it's a lot. You need it like you need it in 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 silos. Like you need it like you're doing this right now. You're doing this task. You're doing this task. Whereas I know with Scott, I can throw a bunch of stuff at him at one time, and he's gonna catch it. Because he has a little sticky pad and he writes it all down. And I'm still learning, Scott. But I, I know a lot of how you work. And that's just part of my job in sort of being like the project manager right. is like knowing how everybody works. And then I also have to know how I work and what will stress me out. Yeah. And so I got to prepare for that as well. That's a lot. It, there's, what, that's a lot. there's so much more than what. Anyone would think goes into oh, fucking you, talking for four hours. You have no idea. It's it's bananas. Like, I do wish sometimes that, like, anybody who's ever been like, say, get work for four hours and then go home. I just want them to come in one day and just Girl. see what happens. In fact, if people ever, they, we don't do this now, obviously, but, like, when people have come in before, I'm always, and I think we all feel this way, we're always a little terrified that they're going to try to just talk. Oh, my God. Like, it's just a casual environment. Between songs, we're just shooting the breeze. Yeah, feet and up. And then, you know, they're they're over here like, wow, so look at that microphone over there. Is that the... And I'm, like, over here like... No. I? Mm. You? No. No. Sweetie. Well, see, and that's the thing. Like, if we had one of those... You know, like Bobby Bones, Elvis Duran, Ryan Seacrest, where there's like 
20 people doing stuff, then we could definitely have fun and chit-chat in between songs and segments. But, like, and I've noticed in the five years that we've been here as we've played less music and we talk a little bit more that we don't have as much fun in between songs because we're always getting ready for the next thing. Because we don't have as much time. No, whereas before it was like what? six songs between the times we talked. What else were we going to do? Nothing. We're like, hey, how many different ways can we use this Snapchat filter? Go. <laughs> and then like five hours later we'll be like, oh, i got to talk again. So, right. yeah, it, it definitely has evolved. It's more at the pace of like when we were towards the end of Panama City, when it was like four people in the studio, oh God, and yeah. we were constantly always doing something moving forward. And interns. And, and interns. Oh, that was a big old show we had. That was fun. It really was sprawling, considering the size of that market. Yeah. But kudos to us. Now listen, we were doing it, Scott. We had a four-person show and interns, oh too. Yeah. Girl, Ooh. we were getting it, honey. A little crazy. We went oh, from that, know. and then when we got here, they were like, y'all can talk for two minutes. Um, three times an hour. Yeah. And good luck. Yeah. Okay. And we're here five years later. Who to thunk it? Scott, was it scary when you first started coming in with us? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think for me, it was like it was a little scary, but at the same time, like this is what I wanted to do, and so I was just so like driven to just be there and just learn, and so I wasn't in there to like. I do pretty well at reading a room. And mm-hmm. so when I walk in, as people are working, like, I'm not going to be like, All right, now's the time to start asking my questions. They're like, no, I'm going to wait for you to, you know, find the time and then ask if I have questions. But when I first walked in, I was like, okay, like, I'm here. How could I stay here? Mm. And so. Well, like, that's, I mean, obviously, yeah. that's just one of many, many reasons why you are still here. Because immediately yeah. it was like, non-obtrusive right and that's how it has to be that's why it did work out with our forum producer ryan mm-hmm. so long because he was just a quiet dude anyway yeah he didn't say much so that worked out well but then like with scott you can tell like the different levels of interest because mm-hmm. scott was would stay quiet when the time called for it but then had like so appropriately timed questions like right. you know and like interesting insight and just curiosity about the right types of things so it was it just when you when you find someone that fits like that, you know it. You just know. Yeah. Unlike, you know, some maybe some other producers who just weren't a fit for the type of show that we do. Right, right. They l- enjoyed, uh, we enjoyed them as people and they yeah. enjoyed us as people. But it's like if I went to work on a country station, like I would be able to do it. Yeah. Because content is content. But when it comes to the type of show they're putting on or like a really mean rock show, mm. um, oh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to thrive in that type of environment. I could do it, but I wouldn't be able to thrive because that's just not really what I'm interested that's in. That's just sorting out the right pieces in the right places and, stick, right, and things right. like that. And I've had people ask me in the past if I would ever do country radio. And I'm like, girl, what city in America would have a gay black man on their country radio station it's not, about. it's not even like, would Miguel do it? Mm. It's what country station would hire Miguel and think that was a good idea. Right. Like, you have to know your audience. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there a country station in, like, San Francisco? There was one. Maybe. That did have a, remember, we knew Eddie King, he did the, right, right the morning so, like, show. Maybe there, but there are very few, like, know your, you got to know your audience. So, like, very few country stations, I would think, and this is very stereotypical of me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because mm-hmm. stereotypes exist for a reason sometimes. Right. I don't think the majority 
would like I think there'd be a, a very strong minority that'd be like this is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. But then you'd have a majority of people that are like what's this? This mm. this doesn't this is this doesn't feel like it fits to me. And you could hear it probably. I'm curious. I mean, Scott, you listen to country radio. I mean, you can tell that whenever you talk about country music that you come alive and that's like your first love. Do you think and you've never worked at a country station so you don't know. Yeah. But from knowing the audience and going to the concerts and listening to those that type of programming, do you think that they'd ever be accepting of that? Uh, let's, let's say of you and the host. I don't think right now is not the time. I don't think it would. <laughs> now's not the, now's not the time. No? Yeah, I think, it would, you know, it's, it's hard to say because, like, that audience is very strong in what they like. You know, it's very much like this is it. I don't like to go outside of the lines too much. And it's just like a majority of us. It's hard for us to just go with the change. Change is very difficult. And I think in our lifetime, that change would be so big that it would be hard to like make it work. Mm. They wouldn't, I think the problem is is they wouldn't give you enough time to finally say like, Oh wait, like I do like Miguel Fuller. Like they want to do it because by the time they get to that point, they'd be like, well, I'm not listening because this or that. Yeah. Which is just a sad, I think it's just, you know, some people are just slower with, you know, finding that change and open-mindedness. It is interesting. I mean, keep in mind, there's still not a lot. In fact, there's very few black country artists. Right. They're, That's true. I'm, That's true. They absolutely exist. Right. They're growing. They're growing, but it's in, and I give that a huge, like, uh, thing. Back when I was doing country radio, there was literally one, and he was, like, a side player named Cowboy Troy. Oh, I remember him. him. Wasn't yeah. he a rapper, too? Um, I don't know. I don't, nope. maybe. Sorry, no, I'm thinking about rapper Pastor Troy. Uh, that, that totally whole, different. <laughs> that is a whole different, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, my ex-husband liked Pastor. <laughs> no, uh, this was a different. He was the big thing about him. He was big. He was like six foot eight or something oh, wow. crazy, and he had teamed up with. Oh, uh, who is um, big and rich? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I would say yep. big and rich. I was in radio, in country radio in a really interesting time because Big and Rich were sort of breaking down those doors of what it meant to be a country artist. Mm. Not that others before them hadn't done it. Right. But in that era, so I was in country radio from like 04 until 07 or through 07. And at that time, Big and Rich came through with like Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. And it was like... Very shocking. Yeah, so they rode deep, and Ding. part of their crew was Cowboy Troy, and mm. then they also had Two Foot Fred, who was a little person. Oh, you could still, you know, call people midgets back oh, then. It was wow. inappropriate, still inappropriate. Um, but yeah, so and I met them. I met them when I went to CRS, and it was so interesting to see how various country stations reacted to what your what was not your typical country artist. Mm. And keep in mind, they're still having issues in country radio getting women in a regular rotation. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's a big deal. And that was more, I mean, we have a lot more other mm. stuff going on right now, but I remember in 2019 that was sort of a big conversation piece where certainly you couldn't have two women played back-to-back. Yeah, And they're just, the numbers weren't there. You just did not have that many female artists doing their own solo thing, let alone groups. 
Um, and the awards are always going to the men. And so country radio had been struggling for a while trying to break out of that very boxed-in mold. Right. So I think when Cowboy Troy was coming out, that was like the first big thing. And then you've had a couple other ones. There was, um, Char- I think Charlie Pride was like way back in like the good old like Waylon Jennings time. And he was black. And that was like sort of a big deal at the time, of course. But then um, when Darius Rucker, mm. a.k.a. Hootie, Hootie. decided mm-hmm. to go country, it was like, oh, Let her I mean, cry. I like I like Hootie. Yeah. I, I like Darius Rucker. And he made he makes very non-offensive sort of bland music that just works. And it yeah. worked. So very, very slowly, that format has started to open up. And now you see more black artists come through that and especially ones that maybe aren't huge right now, but remember when Blanco Brown came mm-hmm, through, mm-hmm, who yeah. sort of straddles that line between hip-hop and pop and country. So you're seeing more of it. It just takes a very long time. I remember, and I'm about to stop. I'm going to wrap up my ramble in a second. <laughs> when Nelly and Tim McGraw had a song together yeah. in like 06, hmm. um, pop radio loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Played all over the place. What song was it? Uh, over and over. Over and oh! over. Yeah, over and over. Over and over, over again. again. Tim McGraw and Nelly. Huge. <clears throat> Our country station wouldn't play it. Really? No. no. Wow. You would not put a rapper on a country station. You could not do it. My and like my boss, who was only a couple years older than me, was like, I think we should put it in personally. Right. But he's like, but I'm in charge of a brand that we will get, we will get so much. He's like, I just, we're not in a place where we can even handle this right now. You know what's interesting about things like that? And this is conversations we've had at the corporate level here with, with our company is companies are now finally starting to understand their social responsibility and the role that they play in that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've been chatting about um, in this new initiative that we're working on for our company is, you know, as a media company, and that's how, and I can't fault your boss for, especially for back then. Yeah, we're talking 2006. Right, exactly. Like the goal of what you do is one, to protect the FCC license Mm -hmm. and two, do not ruin the brand and to keep the money and the ratings coming in. Because, I mean, we were a small market anyway, so any dollar you had to, like, hold on to. And you don't want someone pulling their their money, but you, to me, and this is what I've brought up several different times in the different meetings we've had, is the fact that NASCAR was willing to say no Confederate flags— and to take a stand and say Black Lives Matter. Yeah. This isn't yeah. the NBA. This isn't the basketball. This isn't the MLB. This is NASCAR. NAS fucking car. If they're willing to put their their neck on the line and say, this is what's right, mm-hmm. then what the fuck are we doing? What is every other company that's like, well, right. we don't want to be offensive. We don't know. Yeah. It's either you're on the right side of history or you're not. But keep in mind, it took until 2020. <clears throat> To do that. Right. So that's why it has taken that. Was, so 15 years ago, I can't imagine NASCAR being like, no, no, Confederate no flag. like I yeah, can't. No. It, yeah. it that took the time to get there. And so it was it's been interesting. So do I think that Miguel Fuller could work on a country radio station, a progressive one? Um, you know, yes, maybe not yet. Like like Scott said, maybe not yet. Right. Eventually, yes. It's hmm. all 
making progress. It's all forward progress. Just like, and and it takes a lot of uh, like-minded people, like the whoever is up at the head honchos up at honchos, Punch. <laughs> have at NASCAR to be like, we're going to do the right thing. Right. And then they stand out as such a huge company that they can take that risk and then others can follow, follow suit. It's really interesting how things uh, are and have evolved and being in the space where it happens. Like I remember, um, so on a radio station, um, there is someone who picks the music. Like we don't come in in the morning and um, I don't say, all right, so we're going to play Marshmallow Happier and Dua Lipa and then the baby Roddy Rich Rockstar. That's laid out by our music director. Well, when I learned how to what we call scheduling music back in the day, um, there are all these antiquated rules. Like, mm. you couldn't have two hip-hop songs together because if someone tunes into our station, you don't want them to know, you don't want them to think that this is a hip-hop station. We are a top 40 yeah. station. We play the top 40. So you could never have two hip-hop songs back together. You could never have never two women back together. That, that is was the issue last year in country. Yeah, like, you couldn't have two women back-to-back. Um, you couldn't have, I mean, we didn't play anybody that, like, had a, any sort of Spanish in a song back then. Um, but like anything like that, it was always like, it's got to be diverse yeah. or you couldn't have two Lady Gaga songs play in within 30 minutes of each other. There's all these rules, all these antiquated rules. And then finally, they now have started to like break free of that. And I've seen our boss will um, in some of the like Facebook groups with radio people when I, I've seen I saw someone brought this up a while ago. Does he comment? He did. I saw him comment. And he was like, that is ass backwards if you still apply by that rule that you can't play. Um, um, I'm trying to think who are two female artists we play right now. Um, like Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. And then, um, I don't know, Selena Gomez. Selena, yeah. Cardi, Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah you can't play those back to back. Or you can't play Cardi B and The Weeknd back to back. Like, you can't do that because they're. Listen, if they're listening, they're going to enjoy it. And it's all one uh, pish posh. Mishmash, 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 mishmash yeah. of of music and people, and it's more of the the swagger that the station has as opposed to we play all the hits because everybody plays all the hits. Oh God! Everybody plays it. Everybody. Yes, it's it's like what? Who are you fooling? Right. We all got the same damn music. We got the same twenty songs. It's how you want to shuffle them today. So just like every industry right now, because of coronavirus has had to evolve and change and it has sort of accelerated the business model. Like I was just reading yesterday that there is this chain of theaters in Texas and I don't remember what the chain is called, but what they're starting to do to sort of get any money coming in is you can now rent out a theater. I saw that. For like 120 or 150 bucks for like however many people you want. Um, I think once you get to another tier, like if you want food and beverage, then you tack on like another 125 or 150. Yeah. But I was like, I would get my friends together. And like they made the option to where like if I put the deposit down and then I send the invite out to all my friends, then you get to pay your $15. And we've already been in a quarantine bubble together. Yeah. Then you can have that. And I'm like, that is thinking outside of the box. And that is something that our industry is having to do yeah. now. Our industry has always struggled with that, which is interesting considering we're like a media company, but also we have like live personalities that are probably chomping at the bit to be more creative. 
But the industry as a whole has been very stodgy and yeah. slow moving, mm-hmm. which is why we're having this conversation about how as recent as like two years ago, you could not play two women back to back, even on a top 40 station. Yeah. And it's like, keep in mind what happened with the Dixie Chicks mm-hmm. when that all happened with mm-hmm. them. They were not just banished from like country radio, but it was like they couldn't even exist yeah. as humans. From everywhere. It was. And so you take that and that was about 20 15, 20 years ago. Right. And um, and now we're at a place where artists are speak their mind often and do mm-hmm. not face the same type Mm-mm. of criticism. Mm-mm. So someone always someone has to come first. Yep. And they have to unfortunately take the brunt yeah. of being yep. on the precipice of change. You know what? Never, they're not the Dixie chicks anymore, are they? They're the chicks. They're the chicks. The chicks. Good for them. <clears throat> they're just are they and they still exist. They're yep. still evolving. They so, yeah. you know, and that that that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Um, it, it's interesting as we have this conversation and sort of on the heels of talking about Breonna Taylor um, and the verdict that came down and everything dealing with that and just how emotional this week has been. And I found myself like I almost didn't even want to come into work yesterday. Mm. Like I was almost like I woke up Thursday morning and I was like, I just don't want to do this I don't want to go in I don't want to have to smile and pretend and just feeling the heaviness of that and all the stuff with my mom and I'm just like I'm tired I'm literally physically emotionally spiritually tired that's a real thing and let me tell you how hard it is to be creative happy positive and put that out into a city while you're doing all that oh yeah hard oh yeah and I I totally felt that one of the podcasts I listened to um, and I would love to get them on this show to talk politics one time. It's called What a Day uh, from Crooked Media. I listen to it in the morning, and it's um, these two hosts. Uh, she's a black woman. He's a white, maybe Jewish male. I don't know. Um, but they basically give you, like, the top headlines of the day, um, and then they do, like, their little temperature check of, like, and they're, like, funny with it, and they do a really great job of um, talking about what's happening in the world it's obviously a liberal bent mm. to it. Um, but yesterday for their episode, like, she wasn't on it. Like, and then this morning on Friday when I listened, she was like, I just, I couldn't do it. She was like, after the verdict of Breonna Taylor came out, they interviewed um, a lawyer that they played part of. And then after that, she was like, I can't, I can't anymore. It's just, it's so, the e- e- the heaviness of everything it's just too much Mm -hmm. and i just feel that especially as we keep getting closer and closer to the election and i'm just like what the fuck is gonna happen i could not be more glad for not scrolling incessantly on facebook in these times than i have been Mm. like and i'll come across some of the stuff like the reason that i got it off of my phone um while we're here in studio because i have facebook open now in order mostly to respond to messages, um, either on the Miguel and Holly page or my Holly on Hot 101.5 page. And then I will do like your, your you know, uh, obligatory scroll through to see, did I miss anything? Am I tagged somewhere? And I will see some of those like nasty, bleh, like mm. just awful things. And I'm like, how, how do we fix America? Right. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And it's really scary. And then, like, if you ever want to go down that rabbit hole, because I, I ended up down a QAnon rabbit hole yesterday. Oh, God. I'm going to have you send me that link to the podcast again, or at least tell me what it is again, because oh, I yeah. think this weekend I'll have some time. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't listened to it yet. Um, but it was a more in-depth look at like sort of um, this guy that used to be on the inside of it who's now working against it. And it was just really, it's so mm. fascinating that the amount of like just ins- insanity right. that exists in the world and what people will fall for. I just want to talk to someone who is putting their faith in a person that wants to tear our democracy apart. And this is what I'm just having such a hard like as well, we get see, they wouldn't see that way. We'll see but here's what I don't understand. Yep. Is we are a country that's been around for what 300 years now, over 300 years and you have somebody that when asked would you commit to a peaceful transfer of power I mean, you're talking about the bedrock of our society. Like, Correct. if there are things that you can question, you know, are you going to get a stimulus check? Are you going to get the coronavirus? Are we going to get fired? Am I going to have a heart attack? Like, I don't know. I don't know the question, the answer to any of those things. I do know that every four years we have an election. Correct. And then that January, you are sworn in. Yeah. That is like the bedrock of us as a republic. And to have someone say... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I don't. I'm sorry. And if you are a Trump supporter, I'm trying so hard. And I promise you. I don't get it. I'm trying to understand. Right. Because even if Barack Obama, who I loved and I thought did a great job, if you disagree, email me. We'll have you on the podcast. He would have never said that. And if he did say Could that. you imagine no, oh I can't. If he said that, and if he said that, I would have been like, that's wrong. Yes. You need to stop because you're putting a dangerous precedent in and putting that in and thinking that this is a dictatorship. That is not how we work. It's not. And I just don't like just this is what I this is my biggest issue with not even like. This goes beyond, I feel like, you know, Republicans and Democrats. So you can be a Republican and not necessarily support Donald Trump. Right. That's a thing, right? Oh, yeah, that's a big thing. All Republicans don't also, they're they're not, you know, tied in. You're not tied to it. I'm not tied to Joe Biden. No. Or to Kamala Harris. I'm I'm tied to this way of thinking or or how our country should be run. Different ways of thinking how to get there, right? Okay, so that's the difference between... (laughs) Democrats and Republicans, little there we go. Right, but like so, if you're a if you're like a solid Donald Trump supporter, and you hear him say, you know, is there going to be a peaceful transfer of power? Well, we'll see. A, what do you think when you hear that? Right. Do you think yes, more my man for however long, or do you think, well, that doesn't sound right? Mm. And then what I don't get from Many Donald Trump supporters who will be like, okay, that's not what he meant. What he meant was we're going to have to see about it. How He's the are president. you, how do you continue to find ways to apologize, not apologize, but to um, explain away, explain and twist a situation from what he said? Right. How how do you explain that to because someone? Because if I got on the radio and said something offensive and then said, and then Holly, you were speaking for me and said, well, that's not what he meant. And then people would say, but you're on the radio. 
you are a you professional. A yes, right. so you need to like watch what you say. That is the most powerful position in the world. Why are we not holding them to that standard? <laughs> That's what I just. Uh, it just. I, 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 I that, want I'm, someone to, and I, I literally, and I, I'm gonna from the bottom of my heart. I, I think that if there's a, a solid Donald Trump supporter, they're probably not still listening. They're, they're not probably not. Listening. But if you are, if you are, if you stuck with it. I just, I literally would want you to come on. And we could just ask you questions. I would not debate. This wouldn't be a, well, you're wrong. I would just be like, help me understand. Right. Help me understand this. Help me understand that. Um, maybe or if you know someone, Scott, do you have like a contact for like the Young Republicans Club or something on USF? I do. I would just. Uh, I, yeah. Why do you say it like that? There's just like, there's this guy like I I generally liked when i was in college but like i see his posts now and i think they're you know one of those that like through everything is still like trump good like good yeah i would love to hear from that point of view that's that's something other than either a meme as a response right or what happens is i see this a lot on twitter and i had to mute a few people who tried to engage me in this sort of thing where you like a statement is made and then instead of addressing the statement they go but well look at this right okay yeah look at that focus it's like trying to have like make a four-year-old pay attention to like a an instructional video right no my question is how do you defend saying we'll see about a peaceful transition of power what no, no, no. Don't tell me about Joe Biden right now. Mm-mm. I know he a little, like, you know, he's not everybody's favorite person. Right. But that's not what we're talking about. Right. Because here's the thing. As someone who is a liberal and a Democrat and who plans on voting for Joe Biden, I can tell you the things that I'm not super comfortable with and the things that, you know, I've done my research and I've seen how he's changed positions on things. And yes, he's been a career politician. I think his heart's in the right place. But I think like most politicians, he has one flip flopped on things because that would keep him in power. But I also think that times have changed and I think people can change. And I'm sure I will go back in 20 years and look at some of the stuff that I've said and done and be like, oh, my God, Miguel, what the hell were you thinking? Mm -hmm. Totally understand that. But I can admit that Mm -hmm. about the person that I'm voting for. I just want someone who is a Donald Trump supporter to be like, Okay, so here's why I like him for this. I like him for this. I like him for this. And here's what I don't like. Or maybe you like everything. But as long as you're not trying to deflect, I just want to know honestly why. Because I was listening to NPR yesterday and they were in West Palm Beach and they were asking people about Donald Trump. And these were minorities. And they were like, yeah, I like him. I'm going to vote for him. Um, One of them because of abortion. Um, And I forgot. That is a big one for... Um, like staunch Christian supporters right, right, who feel like, and I will put my mom right into this group, there are literally no other issues. Right. And I don't know how on earth something that is a religious issue has become the, the foundation for political voting. But I mean. Because people made it that way. Because they, they yes. because they've changed the wording from uh, pro-life and pro-choice to like, I'm pro-life and you are pro-abortion. Right. You are pro-killing yep. babies. Like right. that's how they frame the discussion. Yes. And there's no 
ifs and buts about it. There's no like like, there can be no gray area. Let's not actually take care of the kids that are in foster care or the people. Everything you're saying, detention centers, blah 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 blah. Going in one and out the other. No, we don't care. Nope. No. But that's a whole nother discussion. You don't. And well, I was told I'm going to hell already, so it's fine. That's, that's well listen, fine. we all are. I was I told I was told through uh, an internet meme about, you know, Joe Biden being the devil that I'm going to hell. So I'm all right, I've secured my seat. Girl. Oh, so that's fine. Scott, are you driving the bus? Hell no. <laughs> my person got so mad about that. And I was just like, I just sort of it's like an eye roll to like my mother because I'm just like I know my value, but he was so upset. He was like, you know, I struggle with that anyway. Right. Like in my morality and in my my being a good person, am I doing the right thing as often as I can? And to just hear that so flippantly put out because of like a voting procedure is exactly. very difficult for me to swallow. And I don't, I don't know how you're doing it so well. And right. I'm like, I think I just have to to. It's almost like I now have to just ignore what she says. Mm. Yes. Right. And just deal with that because I'm sure it hurts somewhere. But at this point, I'm just like, what do you want from me? No. I mean, I mean, I feel like that way when I see people that I know that, you know, have the Trump stuff up and it but- hurts because it feels like you are literally turning your cheek and your ear and your heart to all these other issues in 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 like these aren't just things oh this is a flippant issue like you are turning an eye and making fun of my my life and my morality and what could possibly happen like it is very within the realm of possibility that if trump picks a supreme court justice and it's in the realm of possibility that if they are in it's very conservative person they could take away abortion mm-hmm. remember gay marriage that happened because of the Supreme Court. They could take that away. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> These are things that are real things that can happen. And it's just like I just <sighs> like it really frustrates me because I grew up in the church, you right. know, and it, it suddenly it's like all of I don't know how. Well, it's all with a lot of, I do know how, actually. I don't know why I said that. I do know how. It's with a lot of misinformation and scare tactics and and things like this and guilt and shame that have twisted people to feel like, especially Christianity, Donald Trump is your only Christian option. Right. If you are a believer in in Christianity. Like, and I don't, and I'm like, why, I don't understand how things have gotten so off course that a man who, you know, said no immigrants, we don't want to see any immigrants coming through this country and like, you know, doesn't care about like the earth necessarily, which I'm, a, you yeah. know, a proponent of, but like that's gotten lost in the conversation, climate change. Right. I was like, I don't know if science is right. Right. Okay. So all of this stuff that Christians are also called forth to uh, care about now, suddenly it's like, Okay, well, but yeah, but if you love Jesus, you also have to love Donald Trump. Right. Which, by the way, Joe Biden has a very, very strong faith. And if you don't know his story, um, CNN did a great documentary, which focuses on the good and bad of him in his political career. Mm -hmm. But like his wife and I believe one of his children died 
when he just got elected and he almost didn't even end up going into Congress because it happened like right before he was sworn in. Mm -hmm. And people talk about how he carries a rosary around um, that his son had that Bo that I think it's Bo that passed away um, a few years ago from cancer. Mm -hmm. He has a very deep faith. Right. But because of memes on Facebook and because of talking points and people not doing their research. They don't know that. It, it's lost. It's and it's totally very, lost. very unfortunate. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not a person who's like, this candidate, ride or die. Absolutely not. But I know who I don't want. Mm-hmm. Scott, do you have anything? Well, it just kind of, it's just, it blows my mind of where we're at in our country. Like, it just, I have these conversations with my dad a lot. And it's just like kind of just the echo chamber. We go back and forth for a quick minute and I have to cut it off. But it's just like we're supposed to be like America, like the country, the workers look to as the progressives that are constantly pushing to do the right thing. And it's just this is just crazy to me to think of how divided, how polar opposite things could see. And I watched very recently, watched both like the sit down with the president where it was Donald Trump answering questions sitting in there talking to different people. And I watched the same thing with Joe Biden. And again, like I have family that it's like, they're on, like they are heavy Trump supporters. And it is very right now to even approach that subject because I just, it blows my mind when I've watched both candidates, I've listened to both of them speak and you listen to how they answer questions. And it's just like one's here for a serious matter. And the other one's just clowning around, just fucking up the presidency. And like, it's to me. Like, we don't respect the highest position in our country. It's like people people act like it's a sports team. They're like, you know, they got their, their flags and yep. they're all rowdy about it. And it's like, guys, like, I, I know you're fired up because you found your little cult. But the, the bigger picture is, it's like, this isn't just your little team that you put up a flag. Like, this is somebody that could ruin people's lives. There are people literally fearful of their life. If this person is to get elected another four years, that to me is terrifying. Like that hurts my heart that it's like, it's 2020. We have so many things that we could be doing. We've come so far and we're just taking so many steps back. And that, I remember when he first got elected and like, again, like I, I didn't vote for him, but I was like, okay, how bad could it be? Ah. Like, what, okay. Like four Little years, did like we there's know. definitely a lot of fears. It's just, it's crazy to me because it just seems like every day it's just something more. And I'm just, I, I am curious on what it is that people are so attracted to. And I do have ideas because I've read a lot of things and it's interesting going back in history because I read Obama's book when he was a senator and like the things he talked about are now coming true. Like the fears that he said, you know, a lot of like the strong, whatever, I won't even put a, a title on it, whatever candidates there were or whatever party they're affiliated with, there's very strategic strategies to like get people on their side. Mm -hmm. And now we're like, he was literally like, Hey, like we cannot let this happen. We've come too far. We need to just like, if we just focus on this, if we focus on this, we could be so much stronger. Yeah. And (laughs) it is as bad as he described, you know, in 2004 Mm. and now it's 16 years later. And it's just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I don't know. (laughs) It sucks because it's like, it's not just Donald Trump. No. He didn't do this by himself. No, 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 so no. So that's what sucks the most is that, like, he gets the majority of, like, the ire and, like, the, the head-scratching 
from the other side, but it's like, how have how has America been allowed to get to this position? Yes, exactly. Because we let people that had not the best interest of the country at hand mm. take control of our parties. That's the problem is that we have we've had people that we were set on this course after Barry Goldwater in the 60s. I don't when know it about com- this. So this is the one of the first like um angelical and evangelical Christians that sort of took uh-huh. You know, because Republicans back in the day, it was about smaller government, states' rights, that sort of thing. Leave me alone, strong military. For sure. And then when they started bringing in, you know, abortion and and Christian and not wanting people adding rights to the Constitution and letting people do things with Barry Goldwater. And then from there, it just started. And then once Reagan was in office— that was like conservatives from back in the day. Like that was like they were like overjoyed. Like that was the person that set forth this division in uh, morality and where it wasn't like we agree that, well, let's uh, do social programs should be a little bit different. Let's divert money from here to here to you want to tank our country. That's when that division started to happen. Mm. And it wasn't just yeah. a, we agree differently, but you all get to like build on what we've done so far. Now it's like when we take over our party, we're like, well, we're going to re- take away everything you've done, <laughs> build it up our way. And it's like we can never progress forward because we just keep tearing down it's what a, the other party a did. battleground of just like, okay, that four years didn't mean anything. Fresh, clean slate. Let's start from this way. Right. Like that is just so anti it's so counterintuitive. It is just we're, we're in, a, in a sad state of affairs. But I will say to end on a positive note is the amount of civil engagement that I have seen mm. has been very inspiring for people that have never voted, mm. for people that didn't even know where to go vote, how to I see them encouraging people to go vote and trying to get people to go vote and volunteering and donating. Yeah. So I will say if there is a positive from all of this is that this has people are waking up and realizing that your vote is the most powerful tool you have in your arsenal in making change. Yeah. That is more powerful than me giving $5 to the candidate I want. You going to vote, that is the strongest weapon that you have and not just in a presidential election i'm talking about when there are primaries when you're voting on who's the school board and who's the mayor everything you do in your life is tied to that vote that you cast whenever there is an election Mm -hmm. and if we don't take that away from us then we're fucking doomed so if you're not registered to vote go do it yeah for sure i'm off my soapbox okay i'm tired Taking off my uh, preacher's robe. (laughs) Done. Scott, what's all your social media? Hey, at Scott Tavlin, S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N. Mine is Miguel Fuller, M-I-G-U-E-L-F-U-L-L-E-R. You can find me everywhere. You can also send me an email if you want some Miguel and Holly stickers. Miguel at hot1015 tampabay.com. Holly, what's your social media where people can find your beautiful face? Hey, Radio Holly. Radio Holly on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. All right, bye. 
Catch up with the previous episodes of the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast from Hot 101.5. Just hit up the Hot 101.5 app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Search Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Uncensored.